Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Right, this morning we have uh, Graham Beasley on the panel with us and Ben Strang, of course. Uh, Graham uh, has a sports freak. Uh, associated uh, with that, of course, and, and Ben String, uh, of course, uh, RNZ, SENZ cricket commentator, both very keen on uh, our major summer sport, which um, leads me to begin with uh, you, Graham, this morning, if I can. I led to believe you went to uh, some Super Smash cricket at the Basin Reserve, uh, game one by Canterbury by five wickets in the end. What was the atmosphere like? Good morning, all. Um, I thought it was really good, actually. It was a crowd of around 2,500. Um, and they were there pretty much for both games. Uh, it probably increased a little bit for the, for the men's game. Um, just a really good atmosphere, and obviously we're all excited about the Blaze. We're looking at those two new players that came out from Queensland um, to replace the White Ferns. A bit scared that that long streak might come to an end, but um, looks like we've signed a couple of goodies there. Um, and then the men's game went down to the last over um, with a couple of really good innings from Blundell and Fletcher. Um, yeah, it had, uh, um, the whole day had a lot going for it. So, Graham, why, why is the interest perceived as uh, diminishing a wee bit? I mean, uh, anniversary day, say, three to four years ago, probably closer to 5,000, 6,000 people maybe. What, what is the difference now, and, and what does New Zealand cricket perhaps, in your mind, have to do to get people back to Super Smash cricket? Um, well, first of all, I'd like to ask the editor of the New Zealand Herald why during this whole campaign there's only been, they've only run one story on the printed version um, of the newspaper, and that was the Will Young 5-6s. So over all these matches, they have basically ignored Super Smash. So I find that one a bit curious. I don't know if there's what, what editorial decisions behind that, but I think there still is a lot of interest. Um, Possibly the tournament does drag on a little bit. Maybe that's something New Zealand cricket should do is to look at if they can um, shorten it by a week somehow. Um, but, but that's just tinkering around the edges. I genuinely believe that there is still the interest in it. Um, and, and also possibly not helped this year by, by the fact that the black caps are away for the duration of it. Um, although that's, that's not uncommon um, for that to happen. So, yeah, I, I do think the interest is there. And I certainly don't think we should be looking to insert teams into the Big Bash League. What about, uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm in favour of that too. I, I don't th- think there's any any teeth to that whatsoever, uh, that concept. Ben Strang, good morning to you. Uh, ben, your impressions of uh, Super Smash? Kia ora. Uh, well, firstly, um, on that Big Bash thing, I think the Super Smash is just actually a, a very, very good 2020 product and has helped create a lot of black caps and white ferns players who have competed very well at international level. So I think that sort of puts that argument to bed. I, I don't understand that one. Um, but in terms of the the crowds and that sort of thing, I don't think they're too bad given the times we're living in at the moment. I think, you know, a few years ago when you did get sort of 5,000 crowds to, to the basin to watch some of these games over summer, 
uh, people weren't worried about, uh, you know, what was in their wallet and that sort of thing. There, there weren't the same sort of pressures. So I think some real life stuff is probably paying a, playing a part rather than it not being a good product or, or they're not being the players to go and watch. It, it doesn't help the, black, um, the the Firebirds, for instance, that they do have, you know, so many players in the in the New Zealand side and, and it's not quite a, a star-studded team. But I just think that a lot of people, even though it's not the most expensive thing to go to, if they're figuring out what we're going to cut back on costs, it's probably going to watch a 2020 game at the Basin. So is is it the right window then, uh, Graham? Is there a possibility? Now, if you look around the world, uh, there are currently four um, T20 leagues going on, four, two new ones introduced this year in Dubai and South Africa. Uh, do we have to find another window to perhaps, I mean, I, I would kind of uh, look at um, a little bit after the BBL, which means some of the players that have come down or introduced in the BBL uh, and Australian players as well could just follow on and play a, maybe in a bridge competition over here. Is, is there any merit in that? Possibly. If you're going to do that, you would want incoming test series around the current Super Smash window, you know, the the Christmas, January sort of thing. Um, because I think that that should still drive how um, how the season looks. So I don't know how difficult it would be to get test sides out here at this stage. Uh, so uh, uh, at that stage, um, given that Australia and South Africa are always hosting tests around uh, Christmas and the New Year, etc., it might be a bit harder. Um, so I, I, I still think that finding the best windows for, for test cricketers should, should be the the driver of the season, and historically that's been February, March. Well, of course, with the IPL starting earlier, um, that also makes it a bit tougher as well. I mean, the, the IPL basically starts in the middle of March now, so that would make a, um, a T20 competition in February, March um, harder as well. Right, uh, let's uh, look at uh, some uh, Sevens rugby if we can, uh, gentlemen. Uh, Peyton Spencer, son of Carlos, has been drafted in straight away. Basically, it was about uh, a week ago we learnt that he had signed to the Sevens program, and now they're going to use him uh, straight away by the look of things in Sydney. So that's a very quick elevation, but uh, the kid seems to be very talented. So, uh, Ben, that's an interesting one. Yeah, it's fascinating to see how he'll go. Uh, just the, the very name makes it extremely exciting. If he's got you know, even half of the talent that his dad had, that would be... Um, <clears throat> Very, very exciting to watch. But, um, you know, New Zealand has, has had success by drafting in people essentially straight out of school in the past and, and, and they bring some excitement and, and some flair and, and, you know, something different to the team. So I think it'll be very interesting to see how he goes and, and if New Zealand can can repeat and make it all the way to the final and and we see some, some more good performances from these players, that would be brilliant. Yeah, it's um, quite disappointing to say goodbye to the Hamilton side of things, particularly on a, a, a relatively successful note. But um, I, I just wonder, uh, this is an interesting for me. I, I didn't realise they were signing players so young into the Sevens programme. I think three out of school, basically, uh, this time around, Graham. Yeah, it is um, an interesting change of tack, really, isn't it? Um, and I'm also interested to see how the... Um, how they're going to tackle the women's seven side of things, you know, especially now with um, with the Super Rugby competition starting up, and there's a whole lot of talk about where the players like Ruby Tui, where where are they going to focus? Um, obviously, the sevens is an Olympic sport, so there'd be the the lure of um, of going to the Olympics, or just just sort of how how they balance uh, progressing 
women's seven, sevens rugby versus fifteens, which which is an issue they've had with the men's game for years. Um, so and also, so as, as someone like young Spencer, is he going to be pigeonholed as a sevens players, or NPC teams going to be looking at picking him up? Um, it's it's quite a fascinating balancing act that one. It is actually. Um, uh, I look forward to watching him. Actually, uh, I've seen him play live uh, first fifteen rugby, but uh, uh, this is a whole new um, ball game, uh, literally, and uh, against a, a stronger a- athlete too, stronger build of athlete. It'll be interesting to see how he goes. Ten thirty-one here on SENZ. We'll take a short break for some news and be back with uh, Graham Beasley and Ben Strang very shortly. Vodafone has one awesome summer of sport lined up for you. Making SENZ News this hour, the man who disarmed the Monterey mass shooter is being hailed a hero after a 72-year-old suspect shot and killed 10 people at a dance studio before heading to a second venue. The downturn in the property market is expected to continue despite some signs that prices are stabilising. And Spotify is cutting its workforce by 6%, joining other tech companies like Amazon who are slashing staff levels as the global economy slows. SENZ Radio, .NZ Sport next. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Ben Strang and Graham Beasley with us this morning. And Graham, uh, I'm really looking forward to the two test matches uh, against England. Brendan McCullum's England side, captain, of course, by Ben Stokes. Um, just uh, for no other reason, really. I mean, they, they mopped us up 3-0 over in England just to see what style of pl- cricket New Zealand play this time around because uh, I'm not sure that uh, Brendan McCullum and his lads are going to sit back. Uh, what are you expecting? Um, I'm expecting contrast of styles, actually. I mean, I don't think just because England are playing it that way that we should look to, to emulate that um, if, it, if it doesn't really suit our game. Um, you know, we, we didn't win the World Test Championship by playing in that way, so I think... We should just keep on doing what we have been doing um, and play a more sort of cautious game, but then putting the foot on the throat if we get into um, a position of advantage. But I'm, I'm just really looking forward to it. There was talk yesterday at the basin that the, um, <coughs> the ground had sold out on the Saturday. Apparently that's not quite true, but, but there aren't many left, and there aren't many left for the Sunday either of the Test match here. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I don't think Trent Bolt should play. I think, um, you know, if he's just going to arrive from one of these leagues um, at the start of the series, I think um, if, if he's made the choice to not commit to New Zealand, I think that we, that we need to look at other bowlers. Um, and hopefully Kyle, Kyle Jamison could be back in the fall. Yep. Uh, how about the World Cup for Trent Bolt um, later in the year in India? That White is the one cricket. exception I would make. Yeah, that's, that's the okay. one exception I would make because there, there won't be any T20 cricket on around or even just before that. Um, so I think for an ICC tournament like that, if he's in good enough form, then I think they should pick him for that one. Rightio, Ben, what's uh, your theory on the, the style of cricket we should play? And uh, maybe you could weigh in too on uh, where you sit with Trent Bolt and future use of him by New Zealand cricket. Yeah, with Trent Bolt, uh, I mean, I think that New Zealand cricket should probably just assess his fitness, see if they think he is actually capable of playing a uh, in a test match after playing in 2020 leagues and then make a decision from there. Although I completely understand that, you know, do they want to set a precedent where um, players can just rip up their New Zealand cricket contract and yet still just come in and play whenever they want? That's a very difficult decision to have. But Trent Bold is a pretty exceptional talent, so I'd be probably making a few 
uh, you know, concessions to, to him uh, to get him into the team. But in regards to the style of play, I agree with Graham that I don't think much will change. I think that, that there does need to be uh, some change in the way that New Zealand plays. It would be good to see them play with more aggression and positivity. I thought some of the uh, captaincy and, and some of the, the batting was quite negative uh, over in Pakistan and, and, and they could have taken the game to uh, Pakistan a bit more over there. So I'd like to see a bit more positivity. Uh, that's just in, in the scoring rates. That's even the, the bowling rates. Like bowling so slowly in Pakistan makes no sense when you need to earn time back in the game. That, that sort of thing was infuriating. Uh, but I'd like to see if they were going to make a change. I think we we need to see Glenn Phillips in the in the team and see what he can do as a Test player. I think um, that's the that's the kind of short term move that I think New Zealand cricket could make and see if um, see if he has a a future as a Test player. That would be very interesting. And preference for what, like a Henry Nichols? Probably, yeah. I think he's um, he's struggled a bit lately, Henry. And uh, although you know he. When under pressure, he seems to have um, bounced back and performed. But his average has dropped from above 40 to, what is it now, 37 or something. So his last couple of years have not been flash. I think he's the the one that it would make sense to to yeah drop and, and see how Glenn Phillips goes because the guy's dynamite. Uh, he's, he's playing well wherever he uh, plays at the moment, and I think he deserves a shot. Right, let's uh, turn our attention to uh, rugby, gents, if we can. Uh, Super Rugby and the Highlanders have signed former England international Freddie Burns at 10 for them this season. Uh, uh, Not unusual for overseas players to be signed for one-off seasons as such. In fact, the Highlanders have done it on more than one occasion themselves. And, of course, the high-profile signing last year of Pablo Montero for the uh, Crusaders. So uh, what do you make of the signing of Burns? Does that indicate uh, a lack of playmakers? Uh, yeah, uh, yep, I think it does. Um, you know, you look around the country, and I don't really think, you know, there's no obvious number 10 who's not already contracted to the super side that they, um, that they could have picked up, really. Um, I might be missing someone. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, uh, in, in, in Wellington, it's been a big issue over the last five years. Um, you look around, I mean, Auckland has sort of um, seems to have chopped and changed quite a bit. Um, I mean, even Canterbury, I don't think there's much depth in number 10 at the moment, and, and, and normally they just sort of churn them out like anything. Yeah, it'll be interesting, actually, to see how, how he goes with his uh, style of play and uh, what Clark Dermody wants him to do in, in that respect, uh, Ben. But uh, it wasn't a name I was expecting to pop up in a super rugby team, Freddie Burns. No, absolutely. I, I, yeah, there is a, certainly an issue with uh, with depth in the position across the country. I think... The Chiefs look in decent shape. I mean, they've got Damian McKenzie, Bryn Gatland, and Joshuani. If Joshuani was, you know, good enough to start for the Highlanders and, and might be their third choice, I mean, they've they've got some depth. But uh, over over the whole of the country, there seems to be a lack of depth. And, and I think I talked to you late last year about concerns about sort of the development pathway in New Zealand rugby and and high performance coaching and, and what they're you know, aiming to do with their players. And, and I think this sort of comes back to that where uh, we had a, a, a production line of, of really good talent over the past sort of 20 years or so, and it's fallen away. And I, I don't have answers as to to exactly what's going wrong, maybe at, um, at secondary school level and that sort of thing, but we're just not producing the talent across the board 
that we once were. And I think it's something that NZ Rugby needs to take a very good look at because it's not just first fives. It's, it genuinely is across the board that we're not seeing genuine world-class talent emerge or, uh, you know, super rugby uh, New Zealand talent below that. Is it is it a fait accompli that the um, uh, these new tackle laws are, are going to be set in concrete? Uh, do you think, Graham? I mean, you know, the the sternum height and then at the lesser levels, uh, waist as a maximum height. Do you see that coming in and being effective? I, I think it's probably too early to say at this stage. I mean, they're only introducing it in community rugby in England, aren't they? So the professional well, fifty thousand people's. 50,000 people said, no, we don't want it. We don't want a bar of it. Um, signed a petition in the course of about 48 hours. So that's pretty strong response against. That is quite a few. I mean, I guess they'll dog trial it for a year or so in England. Um, so I'm not too concerned about it at this stage. But obviously in England, I mean, they're facing massive um, legal suits, etc. So I assume that's what's driving this um this initiative. So, um, yeah, I, I think we'll wait and see how it goes for a couple of years in community level. If there is such widespread opposition to it, if that continues, then I think they will quickly sort of sweep it under the carpet. A bit like the ELVs from um, 10 years ago. Okay. Um, just finally, I'd like to talk some tennis if I can. Uh, ben um, Novak Djokovic is. A buck thirty-six to go on now and win the Australian Open. It's been carnage for his fellow seeds uh, to this point. Is it his to lose now? Even with a supposed injury? Absolutely, he's phenomenal, isn't he? I just, I, I can't uh, comprehend how he just seems to. You know that that second set last night, he looked as good as he ever has, and, and there were so many comments from people just saying, you know, how <laughs> basically how is he? Playing that well, one of the best sets of tennis you'll see, an, an obliteration of his opponent. Um, he he is the odds-on favourite, and, and in some ways, I find it disappointing because you want tennis to have some more stars emerge after Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, and it just doesn't quite look like it's happening yet. In fact, I was just reading a story this morning about the Netflix curse, where every single person in their documentary on the tennis tour has dropped out before getting into the second week of the Open. So it's um, all, all that young talent just isn't quite ready to emerge, which which leaves Djokovic as the absolute favourite in this tournament. Okay. Uh, and for you, Graham, is, uh, is it his? You'd think so. It's looking, it's looking pretty ominous, isn't it, really? I mean, if, if he's down to thirty-six at this stage in the tournament, then... Um, yeah, it just goes to show he still is at a level way above all these new people coming through. Um, I've been enjoying following Corder, obviously with his um, uh, backstory and you know, uh, coming from such a talented family, etc. I've been seeing him uh, progress. He seems like a nice guy as well, but um, I, I think he would really struggle if he ends up coming up against Djokovic. So, um, yeah, I think um, he'll be turning the tables on all the drama of last year. I think you're right. I think he was very, very hungry to turn up and win uh, this time around, particularly after last year. I think it's a hell of a motivating factor for him. Uh, Graham Beasley and uh, Ben Strang, thank you very much for your time this morning. Uh, they were our panellists, folks, and we'll have another one at uh, the same time tomorrow morning to discuss various uh, sporting uh, events and um, issues around the world.